Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. This is lesson two entitled Speaking in Tongues, and we taught the first lesson back in June, June 30th, which is three weeks ago. And we had some other things in between, so I didn't get part two done. And so I'm going to pick up part two, but I feel I better just share a little bit of a review about part one so that people don't run out the door. <laughs> is that okay? All right. We talked about, first of all, whenever you teach a subject like this, there's going to be certain attitudes that exist among the people. So what I'm asking is to set aside your bias and let's just look to the word of God. Set aside your traditional teaching that you've been taught. Let's look to the Bible and let's just take it for what it's worth. Let's see what it says about this subject. Okay. So the first attitude that exists is going to be those that are charismatic Pentecostal. They're going to be excited and enthusiastic about it. The second one, they're going to be horrified because this is their worst nightmare. They brought someone to church for the first time. And of all the times I brought a person to church, he's got to be talking about speaking in tongues. So you're horrified. I, I get it. I understand it. But you have to do it sometime, right? Right. The third group is perplexed. Huh? What's he talking about? What's, what's this thing? Of, and the last group, they're nonchalant. Uh, take it or leave it. You know, I believe in it, but I don't pursue it. And just this nonchalant attitude toward it. Okay. We made also some observations. And like I said, you can get the first CD and listen to all the details. But some observations are these. There are those that may say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. That's not true. You can be very much saved. Okay. Doesn't matter if you speak in tongues or not. You can be saved. You're still saved. Or you're an inferior Christian. No, that's not true. Anyone that would say something like that has never read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The first few verses, the first three verses that teach us and tell us that if you speak in tongues and have not love, you're making a bunch of noise. That's it. That's all you're doing. Because love is to be the motivating force behind all the gifts. To understand 1 Corinthians 12 is power, 13 is love, and 14 is order. So right between power and order, we have love in the middle. So follow, desire the spiritual gifts, but follow love. Charity is in the middle of all that. So they're all based on the love of God. So don't, don't ever say that to somebody. There's nobody who's superior as a Christian. We're all his masterpiece, recreated in Christ Jesus. Amen? Then the third thing we talked about, and you will never understand this subject. Trust me. You will never understand this subject. You will not understand what Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 until you understand this. The gift is diversities of tongues, which means varied, different kinds of tongues. Number one, sign tongues. Number two, ministry tongues. And number three, devotional tongues with the emphasis on devotional tongues. And that's exactly what Paul was trying to explain in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There are those three kinds of tongues. And if you just say there's one kind, then you're going to get confused. You won't know what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You're going to get it all mixed up. So we're trying to straighten things out. Okay? All right. Then the next, there's a pattern. When I say about pattern, go to the book of Acts. Many believe that the birth of the church began when? On Pentecost. Right? Pentecost is when 
the Spirit of God descended from above and filled 120 believers that were already saved. They gave their hearts to Jesus. They were there in the upper room. And Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There came, they heard a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon two of them, three of them, all 120 of them. Make this clear. 120, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that upper room. Did you know that she spoke in tongues? She did. They all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So all 120. So if that's the birth of the church, so let's not call it a Pentecostal church, but let's not call it a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church or a Foursquare church or whatever church, a Catholic church or any other name of any church. Okay. It was Christians who spoke with other tongues when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can we agree to that? Is that clear? Is that clearly stated in Scripture? Okay, the pattern. Let's progress from there. Let's go to Acts. And let's look at Acts chapter 8. Philip went, uh, Peter, I'm sorry. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people gave heed with one accord, seeing the miracles that he did, and so on. The bottom line is they all got saved. When they got saved, the Bible says they were baptized in water. They sent for Peter and John, who when they would come down, prayed for them that they might be filled with the Spirit. They laid hands on them and they got filled with the Spirit. And they spoke with other tongues as well. So now we have a bunch of Christians, 120 that got saved and spoke with tongues on Pentecost. Now we have another group in Acts chapter 8. Samaritans no less. You know the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. But they all spoke with other tongues as also. Then we go to Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, a man by the name of mm, Saul of Tarsus, who was destroying the church, who was killing people, right? He sees Jesus on the Damascus road. And when he sees Jesus, he falls to the ground. You know the story. He had a great conversion. All of a sudden, he's blinded and everything. And Ananias goes and he prays for him. Why? To receive his sight and to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, Paul the Apostle, who became, Saul became Paul the Apostle, spoke in tongues more than ye all. Remember he said that? I speak in tongues more than ye all. Now we have 120 that got saved, spoke with other tongues. Now we have the others in Samaria that got saved, spoke with other tongues. Now we have Paul. Saul of Tarsus became Paul. He speaks with other tongues. So, so far we can see the pattern in the early church that the early church was a church where people that were Christians spoke with other tongues. Am I correct? Am I saying something that's wrong here? No, not at all. Okay, then go to Acts chapter 10. And here we have Cornelius. Peter and John, go, Peter goes down to the house of Cornelius, and Cornelius is the centurion of the Italian band. Now we're going to pick on the Italians. The first Gentile group, right? Okay, he's the centurion of the Italian band, and when Peter goes down there, you know the story, they had visions, they had seen angels and all that, and Peter goes down there, not questioning anything, because he's a Jew, not supposed to be in the house of a Gentile, but when he goes there, he begins to preach Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world, right? And while he's preaching, the Holy Ghost falls upon them. When he falls upon them, what happens? They get born again, and they speak with other tongues and prophesy. And Peter says, can we forbid water that these who receive the Holy Ghost like we did should not be baptized as we are? Okay, now we got 120 Jews. Now we got Samaritans. Now we got Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and we got the Italians. Right? And what are they doing? They're Christians speaking with other tongues. Now remember, they were not called Christians until what? Acts 13, they be, at Antioch, they became, they called Christians. They were called people of the way or of that way. Am I correct? Sure. So, so far, the pattern in the church is 
every Christian spoke in tongues. And who initiated it? God did with the Jew and God did with the Gentile at Cornelius' house. But let's not stop there. Because now we can go from Acts chapter 10 to Acts chapter 19. And there the Bible says Paul was passing through the upper coast of Ephesus and he saw certain ones that were disciples. He said, have you been received the Holy Ghost since you believed? This is like 20 years after the resurrection. They said, we never heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said, well, then what were you baptized unto? They said, John's baptism. He said, oh, he baptized for repentance. But there's one that came after him, Jesus, who you need to believe on. So we got them saved, baptized in water, and then laid hands on them. And what happened? Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke in tongues so let's let everything else go and just go to the early church what was the early church comprised of Christians who spoke in tongues that's simple Christians who spoke in tongues and for the first century the first hundred years that was Acts 20 and it went on from there how do I know that because the Corinthian church now you're talking about people that hung from the chandeliers They were the crazies, the holy rollers. Mm -hmm. And Paul, now now remember, 1 Corinthians, what what did he say? He's trying to put order in that church because they're all going crazy speaking in tongues. That's not what it's about. It's not about hanging from chandeliers and rolling on the floor. As a matter of fact, it's dear to my heart because it saved my daughter's life. And I've shared that with you many times. If it wasn't for tongues, I thank God for it. But anyhow... The Corinthian church spoke with other tongues as well. So can you see the pattern here? People today think it's foreign. Like it's, oh, it's wrong. It's just, read your Bible. And see if what I'm saying is not true. Either a person dishonest if they don't see that because I'm quoting scripture. This is exactly what happened in the first 20 years at least of the church. Christians spoke in tongues. That was common. That was as it should have been. And Paul made that very clear. And now we try to clear up some false beliefs false beliefs and we talked about that some people believe that for example it's that's not for today it's not true it's not for today they'll say jesus himself said if you believe on me you will speak with due tongues first you'll cast out devils and speak with due tongues he said that in the great commission he that believes on my name you believe on his name secondly that we talked about those who say tongues have ceased and they think we don't know that verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, well, my point is this. If tongues have ceased, then knowledge has vanished away. You know what that means? If tongues have ceased, you don't know anything. And neither do I. But people still believe that. They'll buy that one little deceptive thought by the enemy. Tongues have ceased. Well, it hasn't. That which is perfect is Jesus, and he hasn't come yet. He'll come up, set up his eternal kingdom on the earth, and when he does, there may not be a need for tongues. But till then, tongues are still a part of the church today. Okay? Then there are those that say, well, if he really wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. It'll just happen. If God wills it, it'll happen. God wills all men to be saved. Are all men being saved? No. What does that mean? We've got a part to play in it. It's our choice. Can I clear up as we continue? Can I make... Uh, a clarification of another false belief that people have. There are those that have been taught that tongues is of the devil. And that if you get around those Pentecostal people, I should say, when someone asks you, are are you Pentecostal? No, I'm a Christian who speaks in tongues. (laughs) Okay. All right. Think about that. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 10. 
Jesus knew down the road somewhere people would say that if you speak in tongues, you're probably going to think you've got a devil or a demon. Some people say that. I've heard preachers say that too. That's all demonic. But let's look at what the scriptures teach. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said that unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Everybody say serpents. Everybody say scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when he was referring to serpents and scorpions, he's talking about demons and devils, right? Okay, so look at, for, look at Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Would you give your son a loaf of bread if he wanted bread? Or if he asked a fish, would he give him a, for a fish, give him a serpent? What's the answer? No. If he shall ask an egg, would he offer him a scorpion? Mm -mm. Well, then if you being evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You realize a child of God needs to ask for the Holy Spirit? And if he asks for the Holy Spirit, will he get a serpent or a scorpion? Will he get a devil or a demon? I served a devil for 24 years. He never let me speak in tongues. I got saved for what the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues. Everybody said, you're of the devil. <laughs> figure that out. Go figure. Does that make any sense? All right. Conclusions. Number one, speaking in tongues is biblical. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. He speaks mysteries. Notice if he speaks in tongues, he speaks not to men, but to whom? To God. He is speaking directly to God in the Spirit. You know what he's saying here? When you speak in tongues, you engage your spirit, which bypasses your soul, your reasoning faculties, your mental capabilities. Okay, and I'll show you that. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, now notice this. Does he say his head's praying? My spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, what is it then? Now notice this. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. So that means with my intellect and also with my heart. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit. That would be with tongues. How shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at thy, thy giving of thanks. Seeing thou understandest not what thou sayest. So you see it's in tongues. For thou verily givest thanks well. But the other is not edified. I want you to see the whole distinction that he's making here. Is between the private and public use of tongues. And so here he is saying, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will pray in English or Hebrew, whatever your language might be. But also I'll pray with my spirit. I'll let my spirit pray and not just my head pray with reasoning and understanding. In other words, it could take our prayer to another depth, but we'll, we'll see that in just a moment. But here he is saying there's a, the ability that we have to pray with our understanding and also with our spirit. And the spirit, praise God, is... I believe more in tune in touch with spiritual things than our head might be. Really. Okay. 
Look at the next one in verse 18. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than ye all. I told you he was from the south. <laughs> Southern Tarsus is where he came from. <laughs> Do you know for him to say I speak in tongues more than you all? He's speaking to the Corinthian bunch. And they're a bunch of wild tongue talkers. That are out of order and all that. But we're going to see how he's putting order in the use of tongues. And this is where people get confused and messed up. And then some take it to an extreme to where it becomes repulsive to other people. And why? Because the enemy doesn't want God's people to be using something that's so powerful and beneficial. Okay. So look at verse 39 of the same chapter and put on your seatbelt. Okay. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. Why? Because prophecy edifies the church. Tongues edifies the person. We'll get that in the next section. And notice these next words. And forbid not. Forbid not to speak with tongues. Wait a minute. He's talking to this church and the leaders of the church and telling them, don't you forbid anybody. Not necessarily publicly. Because if it's public, then there must be an interpretation, right? But there's also private devotional use of tongues. Don't you forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. I've been in churches where they forbid people. And they tell the, their people, it's not of God. And why am I bringing this out? Because Matthew 12, 31 says, If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You know what blasphemy is? The act of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things. Tongues did not manifest until the Holy Ghost fell. The Holy Ghost brought tongues, not man. There was never tongue talking before the day of Pentecost. It was not an act of man. It was not an act of the devil. It was an act of God. And the Holy Ghost is the one who brought it. Who gives utterance to people to speak in other tongues. To forbid it is to speak against the work of the Holy Spirit. And so any church that speaks against it is wrong for doing so. And can be judged for doing so. I'd rather hear them say I know nothing about it. I'm not going to speak against it. But for someone to say that it's not of God. It's not for today. And there's no benefit to it. Is speaking against a powerful work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And forbid not to do so. How important is this? Number two, it's beneficial. So not only is it biblical, and not only should we never speak against it, if you don't understand it, just don't speak against it. But number two, it's beneficial. Okay, how is it beneficial? It edifies. Look at 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Notice this. He edifies himself, but he that prophesieth edifies the church. Okay, so this is what 1 Corinthians 14 is all about. The public use of tongues as opposed to the private use of tongues and the edification of the church. Paul said in church, I'd rather speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 words in other tongues so the people can understand what I'm saying. So in a public assembly like this, 
we should be speaking the language we can understand. If there is a tongue, it should be interpreted to provide understanding for the people. But let me ask you this all-important question. That scripture just said, if you speak in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself. How many of you here, when you went to bed last night, edified your cell phone? Edify means to build up or charge up. Did anybody here charge up your cell phone last night? What was wrong with you doing that? Anything? So what's wrong with charging up myself by speaking in tongues? Is there anything wrong with that? In my own devotional prayer life, as I'm speaking and praying in tongues, I am edifying myself. When I prophesy, I edify the church. What's wrong with edifying the church? Nothing. Why is there such a big stink about it then? Because if the primary use of tongues is devotional, that you're at home or driving in your car and you're speaking in tongues to God and edifying yourself, building yourself up, charging yourself up, what is wrong with that? Next benefit is found in Romans chapter 8. It benefits our prayer lives. Look at what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. How? With groanings which cannot be uttered or articulated in your speech. How many of you ever felt like you were just falling short when it comes to praying for a certain thing? That there's something more you can pray. Do we call upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit and say, take hold together with me. Those words in the Greek mean, take hold together with me against my inabilities to produce results. Holy Spirit, and help me pray out the perfect will of the Father. You know why? Because the Spirit knows more than what we, what we know intellectually. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about how this natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God for they're spiritually discerned and perceived and understood. So in other words, I can be praying about, let's say, a situation where somebody's in ministry somewhere, maybe overseas or, or wherever, even out of state. And I say, oh, Lord, I don't know. I just have a burden to pray for so-and-so. Um, I lift them up before you, and I thank you for your hand to be upon them. I thank you for directing them, guiding them, providing their every need. Mm, I don't know. Is there something more I should be praying for this situation? Are their lives in danger? I don't know. Holy Spirit, help me. And then you just start in other tongues praying he helps our infirmities he helps our weaknesses miracles have taken place i can give you miracle after miracle of divine intervention as people just submitted themselves to the ministry of the holy spirit by praying into other tongues praying beyond what they understood because you see we could become very selfish in our prayer lives if we pray just according to this lord bless me bless my wife my children the four of us uh, us four and no more Are you seeing this? Okay, you can pray in the Spirit. Also, uh, it stimulates faith and love. Look at Jude 20 and 21. Remember, we, I had you quote or, or, or confess in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit is praying in the Holy Ghost. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Someone, I heard someone define it this way. Praying in the Holy Ghost means you just play with more fervor. <laughs> How do you do that? No, if you follow the scriptural teaching of it, praying in the Holy Ghost is praying by the power of the Holy Spirit in other tongues. 
So you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Anybody here need to have some stimulated faith? Anybody need to have your love walk stimulated? Here's one way to do it. Because you see, it's the Holy Ghost that sheds abroad the love of God inside your heart when you receive salvation. So the love of God is in there. But you know, that love of God could be pushed down when people wrong you and you get hurt, have hurt feelings, emotions, and that sort of thing. And you pray in the Holy Ghost, you can stir that gift right back on up. You can charge yourself right back on up. And then you have greater faith and you're walking in a greater revelation of the love of God in your life, manifestation of the love of God. So you, you build yourself up on your most holy faith. And you keep yourself in the love of God by praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at the next one. The next one is helps us control the tongue. This is the best remedy, I believe, for a loose tongue other than duct tape. <laughs> duct tape has many uses. You realize that. What does James chapter 3 and verse 8 say about the tongue? The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Okay, so since the man cannot tame his tongue, but the Holy Ghost can. Next time you get tempted to holler at your wife, just go off in tongues. Because <laughs> you'll be saying wonderful things. <laughs> no, yielding your tongue to the Holy Ghost will help you control your tongue, your speech, your words. And why is that important? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What does that mean? Back it up to Proverbs 18, verse 20. And Proverbs 18, verse 20 says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his lips or the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips, so shall he be filled. You know why we make our confession every time we, we meet together? Because the words you're speaking will feed your spirit. And if you feed your spirit the word of God, it will get full of the word of God and it will come out of you when you need it. But a man's belly shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips, he'll be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, we eat the fruit of our words. Remember Numbers 14 and verse 28 when uh, God spoke to Moses and said, You tell the people, as they have spoken in my ears, so will I do to them. Remember he said that? In other words, tell them they're going to eat the fruit of their words. And what were their words? We're going to die in the wilderness. Man, we're going to die in the wilderness. And what did they do? Died in the wilderness. They spoke those words over and over and over and over. And they filled themselves up with those words until finally they became a reality. Think about it. As you spoke in my ears, that's what I'm going to do to you. So we can tame our tongue by yielding it to the Holy Ghost. The next one, it provides uh, or enhances thanksgiving and praise. Look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18 once again. For thou verily... Verily, give us thanks well, but the others not edified. Paul was saying that if you offer the blessing, let's say you're having a meal and you're offering a blessing in other tongues, the people don't know what you're talking about. They can't be edified. They can't be built up. He said, but look, you're doing it well. In other words, it's a wonderful way to do it because it's pure. It's a pure language unhindered by your intelligence or your bias or any kind of... Um, Thoughts that you might have that are wrong. We just yield it to, we yield to the Holy Ghost and we do it privately in our devotions. If you're going to do it publicly, you better interpret it so people can understand it. And that's exactly what he's trying to teach these people. Look at the next one. We can enhance, in other words, our praise and worship by doing so in other tongues. Also, it provides spiritual refreshing. Look at Isaiah chapter 28 verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. 
to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye shall, or ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And so it's a means of spiritual refreshing. And again, we're talking private devotional. We're not talking public. If it's public, really, he said, if it's public, you should pray that you prophesy, not speak in tongues. Did you, did you realize that? He says, unless you're going to give them the interpretation, then you shouldn't do it publicly. If you have the interpretation, then go ahead and edify everybody. But rather that you prophesy, which means speaks, you speak for God in, in such a way so as to edify or build up the people in a language they can understand. Look at the next benefit. It helps us stay spirit filled. This is the church at Ephesus that got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 19. And we see here that in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 17 through 20, you ready for this one? Wherefore be ye not unwise. Isn't that wonderful how uh, God just so tenderly and lovingly says, here's a way not to be stupid. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What, what, what am I understanding? The will of the Lord. Well, what is the will of the Lord? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled. The Greek, be being filled with the Spirit. How? speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ once again self-edification building myself up maintaining a spirit-filled life the more we pray in the spirit sing and worship in the spirit the more we're aware of our spirit men on the inside our spirit by the Holy Spirit within me, they're engaged with one another and bringing forth, praise God, high praises to God, worship to God, uh, an understanding of things that go beyond our reasoning. All these things are taking place. And you can see now why the enemy does not want God's people speaking in other tongues with this kind of understanding because it's beneficial. It's going to help people stay strong and overcome and rise up and be victorious in life. It's assisting us. Look at the next one. It's a way to speak directly. I'm sorry, Ephesians 6.18. It is a part of our Christian armor. Now, when people teach on this subject of the armor of God, they'll go through, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, take on you the whole armor of God that you'll be able to withstand. And it starts naming all the armor. And normally they stop at verse 17, the shield of faith, which you can quench all the fiery darts of the devil, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. They stop right there, praying always. This is part of our Christian armor with Notice all prayer, all prayer, not limited prayer, not just prayer based on reasoning, all prayer and supplication. Now notice this in the spirit, he that speaks in an unknown tongue in the spirit, he speaks to God. Let the Bible define itself or come up with the definitions of what these statements mean. So when you're praying in the spirit, that's also a part of our Christian armor watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so once again, you can pray in the spirit as a part of your Christian armor to be protected from, let's say, a strategy of the enemy. Or you're praying for your son or your daughter who might be out there somewhere, maybe on a missionary field and doing whatever. And you pray only what you know to pray, but that could be limited. Because if you pray in the spirit, praise God, you go beyond your reasoning into the realm of the spirit and you engage your spirit by the Holy Spirit and you can pray out a whole lot more. And that's praying to the perfect will of God. 
It's a means by which we can pray the perfect will of God. I don't know why anybody would want to shy away from that. Finally, let's look at this one. It's a way to speak directly to God. Look at that verse again. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. Look at what it says. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men. So you see it can't be public if he's not speaking to men. He's speaking unto God. No man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks in divine secrets. The word mystery means divine secrets. He's engaging himself in communicating with God. And if you recall at the Tower of Babel, everybody's language was what? Confounded. Pentecost became a universal spiritual language that God gave back. Which who knows what the pure language will be in eternal glory. It's not going to be Hebrew because Hebrew wasn't in existence way back then. You realize that. I'm not saying that it's not can't be could or could not be but most likely wasn't they didn't speak that at the tower of Babel. let's put it that way okay finally in closing it's a choice it's a decision how many of you came to christ by choice anyone here did you make a decision to accept jesus christ as your personal savior and lord could you have rejected him sure you made a decision to accept him did you not sure remember when jesus in the, the day of the feast that great day of the feast when Jesus um, cried out and said, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. For out of his belly shall rivers of living water. Right? But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. For as yet the Holy Ghost was not given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Holy Ghost wasn't given yet, so you couldn't receive him at that time. John was looking back to that time. So, just as you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord... You and I must receive the Holy Spirit by asking the Father to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to force the Holy Ghost on anybody. And he's not going to make you yield to speaking in tongues and embarrass you in a public uh, scenario. I think people have this idea. If I get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, I'll be walking through Walmart one day and all of a sudden... You know, the microphone's going to come up and just get a hold of me and just make this announcement in tongues. And all the people there in, in Walmart are going to think I'm a holy roller. Well, that doesn't happen. No, Paul said, I will. It's a gift. Just like you're giving, if you're giving. Anybody ever have a, all of a sudden your checkbook just popped out of your purse and opened up and one of the checks just, just flew out of there and went into the offering? Did that ever happen to you? Or maybe a dollar just flew out of your pocket and just said, oh, I, was, I didn't mean to do that. Right into the offering bucket. That, that doesn't happen. You have to yield. We have to receive the Holy Ghost and yield to the Holy Ghost. So look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 and 15 once again. Just to reiterate, what Paul is doing, he's teaching them the distinction between private and public use of tongues. He's trying to explain that if you speak in tongues privately, that's perfectly fine. You build yourself up. But if you're going to do it publicly, you've got to do it with interpretation to build up the whole church. So rather prophesy than speak in tongues publicly so that you can build up the church. Pray in tongues privately so you can build up yourself. Now notice what he says here. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, notice my spirit prayeth. Is it not time to let your spirit pray? And not limit yourself to your own understanding. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will. Notice the I will. I will. This is something that we will to do. 
I will pray with the understanding also and sing with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and sing with the understanding also. I will, I will. It's a matter of the will. It's something that you're choosing to do. So it's by choice. I chose to accept Christ as my savior. I choose to be filled with the Holy Ghost and ask my heavenly father to fill me with the Holy Ghost. And someone says, but I'm afraid if I do, I'll get the tongues. When you buy a pair of shoes, the tongue goes with it. Am I right? Oh yeah, I like that prayer right there, but cut off the tongue. Get rid of the tongue. Oh, let's read real quick. The initial church of 120, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. I've got news for all of us. Mary was not a Methodist. Mary was not a Catholic. Mary was not a Presbyterian. Foursquare. Need I say more? What was she? At that time, she was a Christian who spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost. It says Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Okay, so let's be biblical and not traditional. Okay, so it's up to us to review this. The first Christians spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached that and said the Holy Ghost is for you and your children, all that are far off, as many as our God shall call. That's all of us. Paul, I'm sorry, Samaritans received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Paul got saved, spoke in tongues. The Italians, the Gentiles, got saved spoken tongues acts 19 20 years later people at ephesus got saved spoken tongues the corinthian church saved spoken tongues the first century church was a church of christians who spoke in tongues it was lost during the dark ages and messed up because the enemy wanted to destroy that ministry of the spirit so it shouldn't be strange and it shouldn't be something that's off really if you're if we're biblical and we understand it it's for all of us today. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. It's by faith. This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. What is the answer? What is the answer? The hearing of faith. How does faith come? By hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So if you hear it's not for today, what are you going to have? No faith to receive. If you hear it's only for a select few, what are you going to receive? It may not be for me. If you hear it's of the devil, what are you going to do? I want no part of it. Not at all. Who started it? It's not a trick question. Mark's gospel, 16. Go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. One, they shall cast out devils. Two, they shall speak with new tongues. Who said that? Well, has his name lost any of its power? Has it diminished in any way? No. And then, then he, he named three more signs. So in other words, it's for the church. But yet the church is just, for whatever reason, shot away from it. Listen to all the lies and everything. And I'd like to be part of the New Testament church, the early church that did it all and as I, I share with you I spared my daughter's life and you ready for this one if you can find it you can put it up uh, Renee if you want 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 5 this is after verse 4 <laughs> 14 14 not 4 14 verse 5 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 5 I would I'll tell you, he's from the South. That ye all spake with tongues. What, Paul? 
I would that ye all, I wish that you all, I pray that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesy publicly. Why? Because greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except, here's the exception, he interprets that the church may receive edifying. So what's he saying? In your private devotions, I want all you to pray in tongues. Publicly, I'd rather you prophesy so people could be edified. But the point is, they're both necessary and essential and powerful. So what's our conclusion? It's for us today. It's for everybody. Don't let anything or anyone hold you back from receiving the Holy Spirit and the evidence of tongues. Don't let tradition, false teachings, false beliefs, demonic powers and influences, biases or anything like that hold you back from receiving what is God's gift to you. A perfect gift, a powerful gift. The Holy Ghost, he said, when he comes, he's going to empower you. And this is one way. So don't hold back. Receive this gift. And as you receive the gift, praise God, it opens up the door to the other manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And that's another important point. So we can open up ourselves to experiencing special faith, gifts of healing, working in miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. You realize seven of those gifts of the Spirit were in operation in the Old Testament. The only two that weren't of those nine gifts, tongues and interpretation of tongues, because they're exclusive to this dispensation. And who initiated it? God did. God did. So all you need to do is go to your father and ask him. There are too many benefits. Too many benefits. I mean meaningful benefits to receiving the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful in meaning and purpose. Ask Him to fill you. Believe you receive it. Get in a private devotional prayer life, your prayer closet, and thank Him for it. And I like to tell people to do it like this. Father, you said in your word that if I ask you for the Holy Ghost, that just as a father would give a son a sandwich, a loaf of bread, or ask for a fish and an egg and you wouldn't give a scorpion or a serpent. I'm asking you to give me the Holy Ghost in full measure as it was on the day of Pentecost and at Samaria, Paul's life, the Italian band, church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth. I'm open. I want all that you have for me. Believe I receive it. Just like you receive Christ as your Savior, I believe I receive the Holy Ghost. It's that simple. And now you can. Just yield your tongue to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And some people, it's, it's fluent, like immediately. I remember this young lady praying for her, and she was just fluently speaking in a beautiful heavenly language. And then others, it just takes time. And sometimes it takes time because our head gets in the way, and it just seems like it's something that's beyond us. Did you ever try to teach a child a new language? takes time doesn't it to get them to formulate different words they don't understand you ever try to learn a new language the holy ghost is teaching you a language that enables you to speak directly to god and i'll tell you what you can pray out some divine secrets you can pray out some things in your life and you can be more effective in praying for other people by praying in the holy ghost because you're doing it by faith and you know that god knows more than you do about the situation whenever i pray for our country i pray in english and then i pray in tongues i pray in tongues because i know there's so much more going on in Washington that I know what about you is there more going on in Washington that you know absolutely can you see behind the force behind this the curtain that we live you know 
the curtain is between us and, and, and the spiritual world out there? Can we see what's going on out there? We don't know. But I'll tell you what, he gave us a means by which we can be affected in prayer by praying in other tongues. But like I said, don't be crazy about it. And don't be like the Corinthians were. Use it properly. It'll benefit you all the rest of your life. Praise God. I told you my daughter was healed that way. She would have been paralyzed or dead if it were not for that. Praying in tongues opened the door to the gift called special faith, which brought healing into her body. And I thank God for that. And that's why when I hear people say that they're so against it and everything, it, it's, so, it's so meaningful to me. It's beyond words. Save my daughter's life. Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.